Hello, welcome to another episode of Open Mic. My name is Jared. I'm here with JC, Logan, and Coco. Guys, I'm excited to be here this morning. How is everybody doing? Doing great. I'm doing so good. Feeling great. Excited to be here. It's a it's a brisk May morning, so we all have a little bit of uh, the allergies going on, a little bit of uh, congestion. So Walnut trees are high right now. Walnut so. trees are high. Pollen's high. So if you can give a little grace to the sound of my voice, I would appreciate it. Just kidding. Uh, but today we are talking about tithing and giving. Um, and as we talk about money, money is a funny thing because our hearts are kind of tied to it. You, you love what you spend your money on. Um, what are some things that you guys have spent some money on that maybe you would regret? I have uh, s- several. My first would be, and I'll just tell one so I don't embarrass myself too much, but in high school, uh, back in the old Kanye West days, there were, were stunner shades, like the sunglasses with slits in them. I had a white pair that I wore with a white tuxedo um, to my prom. Worst thing I've spent money Did on. Did it probably. go over well? I mean, uh, in it, 2008, we, we that was a different that thing. It, it, it felt like it was going to go well, but I don't think it really went that well. But like 18-year-old you, you still loved it. Like you didn't get to the night and go, this is dumb. You, it was a good. It was a good choice in the moment. No, there is pictures out there, and if you crawl back far enough, probably on my Facebook, you can find them. But it it didn't go. I think in my mind it was fine, but in hindsight, it has definitely been twenty twenty. Oh, whoa, that Gosh. was good, Logan. I feel like you've grown taller since prom. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> really? Totally. I think he has. Uh, you know, I went from five six. <laughs> we, five six to five six and a half. It happens. Yeah. It happens at eighteen. You need just a picture. Yeah, we'll post that later, see what happens. Um, I, I can think of, I, I took a mission trip to Mexico, and anything you buy in Mexico you is like... regret a mission trip? No, 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 no. Not, not, not that, JC. Not that. Um, but we went to the, this mission trip in Mexico, and we were walking around this kind of like a shopping area that's like this little mall type situation, and everything is super cheap and a knockoff. Like you can get, you know, mm. anything knockoff. But sometimes you'd pick it up and it's like falling apart and it's like really bad, really bad uh, quality. And I just needed like a pair of sunglasses. I can't hold on to a pair of sunglasses to save my life. So like I don't spend more than like $12 on sunglasses because I lose them. And I found a pair of sunglasses that looked fine, bought them and wore them for the rest of the trip. Uh, But like the second time I wore them, they literally started to like, first I noticed they were like black around my eyes. Where the sunglasses were like breaking down, and then guys, they started to literally crumble. They no. just, they just, they just tore, disintegrated. They disintegrated on my face, which maybe it was just my face. Maybe my face would do that. Got some uh, sunglasses. Some sweat some oils out. But I thought they, they disintegrated before I before I lost them. Uh, that was one of my least favorite. What about you two ladies? Have you on? spent money on some? Oh yeah, so buckle jeans were the <laughs> hype. Middle school and high school in Sykeston. Yes. Just, I, th- I think, everywhere, but yes, in Sykeston, that's where I was. Um, Rock Revivals, Miss Me Jeans, like, literally all the buckle brands that had bedazzled pockets, yes. like, the thick the stitching. really, like, yeah, the stitching. Like, you the can, $200 yeah. pair of jeans wow. that everybody wanted. Like, I spent so much money. I had some in layaway. I got them for <laughs> birthday. I got them for Christmas. You can still do layaway? That was back in the day, 10 years ago. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah, I do regret that. I wish I could have that money back and just buy normal jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Buckle? Is Buckle still around? That's what oh, I need yeah. to know. I don't know why. Who's keeping them in business? I think Primrose. I don't know. Just Primrose look at Center. people's jeans and then you can t- tell who's keeping them in business. 
exactly. Or they got those from Goodwill because that's where they all ended yeah, up. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Man, I can't really think of a time. I mean, of course, I've spent money and regretted it, but I most the only thing I can think of right now is the times I've gotten scammed. It's <laughs> literally the only thing I can think about right more now. More than one? Yeah, hold on. You said Actually, times? Well, Multiple? maybe just maybe. Well, I have one in particular. If you know about it, you know about it. But that's all I can think about right now. <laughs> I literally can't think of a time that I've spent money that I've regretted other than getting scammed. Getting scammed. <laughs> it happens. It happens. I'll, I'll explain later. Um, well, today we're talking about giving, tithing, and, and this is such a funny thing for this season of young adulthood because I do think that, uh, like, young adulthood is funny because you go to college and you're like, I'm a broke college student. High school, your parents were paying for everything, things were going well. You go to college and you're like working your 15 hour a week job, you're paying rent, maybe you're paying for school, you've got your own stuff to pay for. And it's pretty consistent that I'll like be out with some college students and they check their account and they're like, Yeah, I've got nine dollars. I can I can buy this. And you're like, What in the world's going on with with this financial situation? So it is easy to go like, oh, I'm a college student, I don't have any money, I can't tithe. Um, and then on the other end of things, it's like, oh, I'll tithe when I get you know, my first real job or, you know, I just graduated college and I'm just working this, this little job. It's not the job I want to have, so I'm not going to tithe yet. But, um, Logan, will you kick us off with like maybe the biblical basis for like why we should tithe before we get into some, some more of the day to day, like absolutely. Absolutely. And so we, we all grew up thinking about money a certain way. Um, and what we have to do in all situations is let God's word shape, uh, the way we view any situation. It's the lens. And so we're going to give a big rundown here. So stick with me. All right, we're going to go from Old Testament to New Testament, looking at the biblical basis for giving. giving. And uh, one of the words we see is we see a tithe. Uh, that is something that you hear in the church world as well. And tithe is actually biblical, like a tithe, and that means uh, a tenth. So when we see a tithe in the Old Testament, that was actually meaning a tenth. And the first time we see this is in Genesis chapter 14, when Abram has just returned victorious from battle. He gives a tithe to Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek was the high priest, the king of Salem, if you've never heard of Melchizedek before and you're like, what in the world? Um, some people consider him to be a Christophany or a type of Christ. We might need to do a whole podcast on Melchizedek. But um, Melchizedek, uh, it, he was given as high priest, king of Salem at that time, this tithe. If, if we could totally nerd out on that, but go look it up, do some studying. That's fun there. But that's the first time we see a tithe in, in Scripture. And so moving on through the Old Testament, we see really three types of tithes develop for the Israelite people, three different uh, types of tithes. And the first was a tithe to the Levitical priests. Now, there were 12 tribes of Israel, and so the Levites were the tribe that were responsible for really taking care of the place of worship, the tabernacle, for the Israelite people. And so the tithe um, the, to the Levitical priests was really done so that they could be cared for, um, provided by, that was their source of provision from the rest of the people. We also see the tithe of feasts, which during the Old Testament time, there were holy days, and there were times when they would travel, uh, the Israelites, the Jews, would travel to Jerusalem to pray, um, and that would be a way that they would provide was from this tithe of feasts that they would set aside in order provision uh, for them to travel, etc. And then every three years, we would see that there's a tithe to the poor, and sometimes people equate this 
to almost a, a tax in a sense, like in a modern day. It was, it was a tithe given that was then dispersed uh, to the poor and to the people who were in need. And that was done every three years. And so really, uh, there, there are scholars that range on how much they think this was of someone's income or resources, but you see numbers all the way from like 20 to 22% to 33% of what uh, someone had. So that is where we see this idea of giving developed in the Old Testament, and it was a command. It wasn't like a, uh, it wasn't a suggestion, but it was a command. And so then moving into the New Testament, right, uh, we're going to finish by looking at what Jesus has to say kind of concerning giving, but I want to look at two different passages real quick from the New Testament, and that is 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, and it says this. This is Paul writing here to the church in Corinth. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so right there, we see that God is concerned with the heart of giving, and we're going to see how Jesus gets to the point of that as well. But moving on to 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4. Again, this is Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth. And this is really important because we see kind of this idea of giving being a discipline, being something that is structured, being something that is routine. And he says, now concern, and this is 1 Corinthians 16, 1 to 4. It says, now concerning the collection for the saints, As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you are also to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. This is really important because in the New Testament, we see the the word that Paul uses here for directed in Greek is a very strong word. This was not just an idea or a suggestion. He was directing the churches to collect to help support the saints who are leading the church. What else do we see? He said on the first day of every week. And so there was a routine to it. There was a pattern to it. And he was like, hey, don't let this be an afterthought. This is something to focus on. And then the last part of that we see is that someone who was accredited by letter was going to carry it. So that shows us that as believers, we're also to give to people uh, or, or give in a way that is responsible, right? I would never encourage someone to give to a place where there are no checks and balances in place. And so when you're looking at giving to a church, we see that. So finishing with what Jesus says in Matthew 23, 23, he says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a 10th of your tithe Uh, Or you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So here the Pharisees, these religious leaders, were giving, but it was not out of their heart. They were giving as a show and as something just uh, to say that they had done. It was not Um, Their heart was not in the right place. And so there we kind of see a biblical basis for giving. So you you, kind of ended that with their heart was not in the right place. So like, how do you, this is always the thing with spiritual disciplines. Do you let your heart kind of chase the discipline? Do you wait until your, your heart's in the right place? 
And then you're like, man, I really feel like I want to read my Bible today. I really feel like I want to give today. So I think I'll do it. Or do you be obedient and then let your heart follow? I think there are times where we can't just go with our gut or trust our heart because Proverbs 3 says that our heart is deceitful above all else. So with that being said, spiritual disciplines that you're like, man, I just don't feel it yet, doesn't mean you can opt out. Like you very much so have to still do that. Um, and I think then once you're disciplined, your heart could follow and you could be loving God, serving God more through doing that discipline. But your heart isn't always what's going first. Sometimes you have to let the word of God. I mean, every time you have to let the word of God guide you and then your heart can follow after. Yeah, I, I also think like when we're talking about giving and um this idea of tithing, giving money to the church. Um, I think that it is such an incredible thing that we get to be a part of because we get to say like, God, I am surrendering to you like this money that you've given me. And the word stewardship is something I think about uh, when we're talking about money and stewarding something um, means that you're taking care of something that's not yours. So uh, if that's a definition of stewardship and we're supposed to be good stewards of our money, then God has entrusted us a certain amount of money. For all of us, it's different, right? So we all have probably different money that God has said, hey, I want you to take care of this. And so what we need to do with that is not to be like, cool, it's all mine and I'm going to hold tightly to this money because I'm in charge and I'm the one that calls the shots. But instead, I think we open our hands to surrender and say, okay, God, this is actually your money and I am going to acknowledge that it's your money and I'm going to give a this money, uh, 10% of it to just acknowledge, okay, God, this is yours. And I'm going to let you do whatever you want with my finances. When we do that, there's a sense of freedom in that because we get to say, God, he can give us as, as much money as he wants to give us. And he can take away as much money as he wants to take away. Uh, but then when we say, Hey, I, this open hand of surrender, uh, then it gives us an opportunity to steward our money well. And in a way that would honor God. I mean, first Corinthians 10 31 says, um, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So I think that doesn't exclude giving or doesn't exclude money. I think that's right there with it. Whatever you do with your money, you need to honor God with it. And because it's outlined in scripture for us to give our money to God, then, um, I, I really do believe that that's something Thing that as believers we should be taking very seriously and uh and start tithing if you're not doing that start giving if you're not yeah matthew 6 19 uh, through 21 says do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal and this is this is what gets me Verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I think that there's this, I, I don't know what the answer to my initial question was of like, do you, do you give and then watch your heart follow? Or do you, you know, is your heart changed? And then you, you go ahead and, and do what your heart leads you to do. But what you said is true. The, the heart is, is deceptive and wicked above all else. So like where my treasure is, there my heart is. And I remember when someone was talking to me about tithing and I was, I was probably in high school or early college and I tithe, but not well and not consistently and not honestly obediently. I just did it when it was convenient. When the number hit above a certain point, it was easy to give. Or when my paycheck was above a certain amount, it was easy to give. Um, but then it was like, man, are you invested in the church? Are you invested in, in what God calls you to give to? And I was like, I am. And then the person was like, well, are you like literally invested in it? Because he was like, when you are giving to it, 
because you are giving financially to it, you care about how it, it goes. Um, I was thinking the other day about like how this ties to like investing. If I was to invest in Apple, I care how Apple is doing. I care how they're selling. I care how their products are going because I'm invested in it. I have money tied up in it. And if it goes well, my money go, goes well. My money does well. So if we're invested in the local church, not just financially, but emotionally, with our time, with our resources, with what we are, then we're going to be invested in the church at a greater level um, if we are invested in it financially as well. And honestly, it's a it's a piece of saying, I trust the local church. I trust yeah. um, what my leadership is doing. I trust what they're doing. Let me ask this question to you guys. Um, what does it matter if you give to something else, like projects, missions, but not to the local church? Like, what's our call to give? And Logan, you kind of touched on this, but like, are we called to give to both? Is it called to just the local church? What What is that supposed to look like? Because I've heard that argument. Yeah, that's a big question. And um, I, th- I think it goes into, you know, the, the way I personally view it is even before I ever worked at a church, right? So I had almost 10 years of, of adulthood, I guess you would say, before I worked at um, a church. I was still invested in tithing to that. Uh, and to the church for the reason of like, if I'm going to go here and this is the primary place where I am going for my spiritual growth, right? I want to be so invested, like I'm so invested in the vision here that I want to support what's going on and the people who are helping me grow spiritually. And then on top of that too, like there's so many people, at least at High Street, it's awesome to see that are passionate about other projects. My wife and I have people who are part of uh, parachurch organizations and on-campus ministries that we help and we support. And we we view that as very, very, very important, but we also view that as in addition to Mm -hmm. um, what we are giving. And that's because we're behind um, where we feel that we are invested in and where we are uh, growing. Yeah, I would also say the local church is the hope of the world, and it's what Jesus died for. So I think if we were to say, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to this other thing first, I think our priorities are out of whack. Um, again, we're not saying it's bad to give to other things. If you feel like that's what God wants you to do, by all means, please do it. Um, but I think like we need to keep our priorities straight and first and foremost, foremost, honoring God with our tithe to the local church. And that's how the local church runs. If you think about it, um, we run, we can do the things that we're doing because of the faithful giving of the members of our church. And Jared, I loved what you said that it's an investment. And for us who give um, here and now, like I cannot wait for heaven when we get to meet people who were saved because of the giving that we uh, were a part of here on earth. And I think that we will be blessed in heaven uh, because of of the, the giving and the sacrifice that we've done now. So yeah, I agree completely. Whenever people ask me that question, I tell them, like personally, I do both. Um, but you can't compromise giving to the local church by just doing the other option. Yeah. Um, because that is like, as believers, that's our home, that's our family, that the church is what Christ has established for us to um, be in unity with other believers. So we need to like be giving to that to support the mission of the church. And then outside of that, if you have extra money, then by all means, like I would say it's biblical to then give it to projects like Nehemiah went to the king and asked for money um, when he was short for resources and rebuilding the wall and he got it. And so people are allowed to ask for money, but um, I'd say first give to local church. 
Yeah, and, and I think with this whole conversation, like if we're looking at uh, going back to Scripture, every instance of giving mentioned in the New Testament is actually beyond what a tithe would be. So we're not looking at like, hey, it, it, is, it is a discipline, but it's not just checking off a box, mm-hmm. right? My heart is always, man, how much can I leverage? Like, God, how much can I give to leverage for the kingdom of God? Where I think a lot of times people are looking like, hey, I want this percent and that much given, and I'm good. And it's like, it's much more than that. And it's always a stretch when people come to you and they ask, like, people are going on a mission trip or they've got a summer project they're going to. It's like, man, my heart is always I want to help. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think, like, we just have to rely on God to continue to to grow our faith in, in giving to those things because they are such good things. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you a blessing, there is no more need. Like, that, that's always crazy to me that it says that God says, hey, test me in this. Like, there's not much that God says, test me in, but he says, hey, in giving, br- bring me and then see if I don't bless you. And I don't know that that's always like, hey, you gave $100, so I'm going to put $100 back in you. You're going to find that $100 bill. Like, that's not always the case. I think God, being the God that he is, has the ability to bless us in ways that we don't comprehend and that we don't see as like a monetary blessing. But he has the ability to bless us in those ways. And a lot of times, I don't think, like what Coco said, we may not see that blessing until we get to heaven and realize, man, that $100 felt wasted when I gave it. It felt like I didn't see any any turnaround for it. I didn't see it. But like, we'll see it in heaven. Mm -hmm. And God knows our heart and where it came from. But that's why I love like what we get to do at, at High Street with missions is our missions is not part of our regular operating budget. It is above and beyond. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to give to missions, it's on a separate sheet of paper. It's mm-hmm. not, hey, we take the first 10% of, and we give it to missions. No, it's you have to intentionally give to missions to give at High Street. And there are 160-something missionaries and projects that we get to, to support. So it doesn't matter if you're given $10. It doesn't matter if you're given a dollar. It doesn't matter. That gets separated out into 160 something different places. And you get to be a part of all of those different things. So even if it's a penny to each of those, you're going to get rewarded in heaven for the, that gift that you get to give. Um, and I just don't think that we get to like realize that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one day we will. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I mean, it's we call it like faith promise giving. Like in faith, we're going to like give this money, even though we might not know like where it's coming from right now. But I feel like when we engage in giving, we give God an opportunity to show up in such a practical way in our lives. And we talk about how we think that God can do more with the 90% of our money than the full 100%. So when we give that 10%, that's 10% given away. And then we have 90% to live on to do things. And I really do believe that God can do more with that 90% than the 100%. I would also say sometimes it's not the easiest thing to give. We talked about our heart, right? I have to constantly, like when I, I text to give, so if, if you want an easy way, text to give, you can set that up with High Street. Um, but sometimes I'm like texting to give, I'm like, God, like this actually feels like a lot of money sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I have to, but I do it because I'm like, I know that this is going to be honoring to God and it's the least I can do. Uh, but when, when we do that, like I have to stop and pause and it gives me an opportunity to be like, okay, God, once again, I'm telling you and I'm acknowledging that you're in charge and that I trust you with my mm-hmm. finances. And we can watch him show up in ways that we would never imagine. Um, Logan, I know you had uh, some stories about how God showed up in your finances. Would you want to share some of those? 
Yeah, there's there's honestly so many stories that uh, we have, and, and God has just been so faithful. But the one that sticks out to me the most is we do the Bible Project here at High Street, which again is kind of a missions project where we're translating um, the Bible for a, a people group that does not have it in their language. And so my wife and I, when we first got married, uh, decided to give the largest gift we've, we've ever given um, to this project. And we gave it, and because we we were able to at that time, and there were, there was no expectation of like, hey, this is going to come back to us. But then uh, I think it was three years later, we uh, were going to buy a house, and somebody that we had we had no expectation of this, someone gave us a gift for literally the exact amount um, that we uh, gave to the Bible project, and it was just so cool to like see like I believe like. My, my first thought when that happened was like, God, you just gave this back to us, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just encouraged us not to give so that we'll be, you know, not prosperity gospel, but to give and like trust that God will will continue to bless us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just want to say this. I, I want to share a story, but I just want to say this. We're not telling a story to say like, look at us, mm-hmm. because I, I can remember the first time I heard uh, Rick Warren's like reverse, mm-hmm. what was he called? Like reverse tithing yeah, or yeah where he, he tries to give a percent more every year. So he's like, he wants to be at 90% giving to God and live on 10. And that to me was so challenging that I don't want to tell a story to go, man, it's all about Jared and his ability to give. It's not. It's about how God's ability to provide and God's ability to, to fill those storehouses back up and to test him. So we're not telling stories to like tell anything about us. It's about God. But Kind of the same same situation, Logan. It was a couple of years ago. Um, me and Tyler were like early early married married, and um, we had all of our hand me down furniture from like friends and family. Like we, we didn't have most of our own stuff. It was like we walked into our house after we got married, it looked like a garage sale. Yeah, it looked like a garage sale <laughs> inside of our home, and that's where we lived. But and and we were grateful. I mean, we we didn't have to pay a lot when we first got married, and we were really grateful. But um, it finally was to the time where we were like, all right, we need to start, start buying kind of our own furniture and stuff. And Tyler picked out this couch that was really nice. She really wanted it. So she started saving money, putting money away anytime she could. And she was really close to being able to buy it. And I remember where we were sitting. I remember what we were, uh, we were listening to, to Gary and Pastor Eddie talk about the Bible project and translating the Bible for people that didn't have it. And Tyler leaned over and just said, Hey, I want to, I want to give the money that, that I've saved for the couch. And I, I was like, like I handled like the finances and I, and I was like, like some of it, like, like I was like trying to rationalize, like, like, like how much of that? And she goes, all of it. And I was like, well, we can talk about this afterwards. And she was like, no, we need to do it like now. So like, I was like hitting pause. I'm trying to s- slow it down. And she's like, no, we need to do this now. So we ended up doing it kind of a faith thing. Tyler, Tyler was like ready to start back from zero and, um, and it's just what we did and it was what we felt like what we were supposed to be obedient to and kind of the same thing. Like I I say this and this is not, I think how God always operates, but um, we had recently moved and we got a check for the escrow for like the insurance that we had paid on the old house. We paid at the beginning of the year. We moved in the middle of the year. So we didn't need to pay all of the insurance. They prorated it and then sent us the check for the rest of it. And it was like the exact, almost the exact amount plus some, that we were ready to get the couch for. And it, it was like, Tyler got the check in the mail. Hey, were you expecting this? Is this real? And I was like, <laughs> it is. I was not expecting it. But it just, God knows the desires of your heart and he still chooses to bless you. And even if he didn't, that would still be a story of God's faithfulness and his goodness. But um, 
it's just, it's always worth it to give um, whenever God kind of calls your heart to it. Yeah, I have a story too. Um, so when I went to Kaleo, which is a summer project through my campus ministry in college, I was raising support because I was on staff with them for the summer. Um, and we had like the chance to raise a full salary because we weren't able to work since we were on staff with the campus ministry. Um, but I knew the amount I needed to raise was like a third of um, what we could raise as the full amount um, just so I could live off of it for the summer. And then I could go back to work once I got home in the fall. But I had to pay two rents that summer and cover the costs of like my team. I wanted to provide for them. I wanted to host them well. Um, and I wanted to buy them things that would bless them for the summer. And so I was like, God, I'll, I'll need a little bit of extra. Um, not just the bare minimum. I'll need some more. And so I just prayed constantly. And I, I would love to be able to tell you that I raised like over what I needed to raise or could raise. But God provided just the right amount for me. Um, and my parents like were part of that story and they're so generous. And so they like covered part of my rent for the summer since I was paying two rents. Um, and then I heard about this other company that gives to mission projects like the one I was at, like Kaleo, um, and they gave $300. Mm -hmm. And then High Street had already given to me, and they emailed me, and they gave $200 more. And so it was just crazy to see that God was, like, providing little by little. And it wasn't just because um, I was sitting there and I was begging God, and I know God was faithful to give to me in that time, um, but also it just challenged my faith and made me rely on God in a whole nother way. Um, so I was I was just really blessed during that season, and now I have a lot of respect for people raising support too, because yeah. you really do have to rely on God for all your resources um, and just watch how He blesses, because He knows every single thing we need, um, and He He is in the details, like Jared was saying. Mm. I love that story. I have a quick story. Throwback to high school when I um, was gonna, I had an opportunity to go on a mission trip. And I remember I was like, I think I was 16 years old. I didn't have a job or anything. And I wanted to go on this mission trip. And I'm like, cool. Like, how, how am I going to do that? And so I remember sitting with my dad at our dining room table. And he's like, Coco, let's just pray about uh, maybe a job. And I was like, okay, like what in the world would I do? Like, I have no idea. This would be my first job. And so we sat at the table and prayed that God would provide a job for me. And literally within the next 24 hours, a lady from our church was a manager at David's Bridal, shout out David's Bridal, calls my dad and says, hey, I know you have three girls and I'm looking for some people to work at David's wow. Bridal. Um, would any of them be interested? And my dad was like, yeah, I, I have a, a daughter that's actually looking for a job. And it was, it was so cool because even within those circumstances, like you had to be 18 to work at David's Bridal. I was 16 years old. So like they made an exception for me to work there. Like I just remember so vividly, my dad was like, cool, let's just pray about this. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, I'm going to go like put my applications in all over the place. And God literally answered our prayer within 24 hours. So I just think about that. And like, and I had an incredible time on the mission trip, like God provided for that. And I had that job for literally so long. And that was an avenue that God provided for me um, all throughout college, even like from high school, even into college. So God like is so faithful to provide. And so it gets me excited when people are like, oh, I have this like project that I'm going to do, mm -hmm. or I have this thing that I'm going to do. Because I'm like, literally, we talk about this all the time with like the residency, where God guides, he's going to provide. And like, I really do believe that. So if anyone's out there who's like, man, like this is an obstacle, like bring it to God and, and watch him provide. If, you, if you're out there and you're not giving or you're struggling with it, my question to you would be, when, if, if not in young adulthood, then when are you going to start giving? Because it's never right. going to get easier. 
I really don't think it will with stages of life and things. So that would be my question is, is why not now? Yeah. And, and if, if not now, then when? Yeah, I love with each of those stories, there was like a, a faith aspect to it. It wasn't like, oh, God, God provided the money and then I got to give. It was almost reversed where it was like mm-hmm. the call was there before the money seemed like it was there, yeah. where there's a step of faith where it's like, God, if, if you're going to call me to this, you, you've got to provide for it. So I'm going to take a step where I think that's the piece of it that we're missing a lot is like, God, if you, if you fill that bank account, I'm going to go ahead and, and give it. Where he's like, hey, I, I want you to go ahead and give, and then, then I'll fill the bank account. That's what you read in Malachi 3.10, is that you give and fill the storehouses, and he'll provide and open the gates of heaven. Um, do you guys have any advice for someone who's like, man, I'm not giving now. How do, how do I start to do that? What's a, any practical advice for that person? Nike, just do it. <laughs> yeah, I would say just do it. I would say next time you get paid, you literally just give to the Lord and say, God, I am doing this as an act of faith and ask him to show up. And if you have questions about giving, like literally Mm -hmm. reach out to us because we can help you that sometimes it is like, okay, so if I have this much money, how much would that be? Do I tithe on the, on the net or the gross? Like there's a lot of questions with that. And so we would love to help you with that. But I would say start by giving 10% of your paycheck before taxes, which is your gross income. So go for it. That's just how I do it. Definitely. Yeah. And a lot of times I've talked to college students and they're like, I don't even work a job, so I have no money to give or they're just living off what they saved up in high school. And I still challenge them to still look at what they spend every month and give like 10 percent of that and definitely pray over it. I don't want you to just to give on a whim and be like, that's good enough, um, but pray over it. And it's between you and God. And if you're giving faithfully and consistently, God is going to bless you somehow, whether it's here or in heaven one day. Yeah, and part of that is if you don't know what you make, if you don't know what's in the account, how do you know what to give? So part of it is you got to create some margin and know what's there. So guys, this has been fun. This has been good to talk about. I hope this challenges uh, you to give and to tithe. Uh, We want to thank you for listening and we will see you next time.